Father, we just, again, thank you for waking us up this morning, Father, and uh, giving us a reasonable portion of our strength and health. And we're just so thankful to wake up and see those new mercies sprinkled on our pillows and just being able to get up and rejoice and, and be glad in you, Father. So we give you praise and honor for a loving God, a God that loves us even when we're undeserving. So we just, uh, we give thanks. Uh, we thank you for the, the sweet worship that went up, Father. We know that that incense is coming up to you. So we just give you praise and, and honor in everything that we do. And I pray that we never take for granted the fact that we're loved. We are loved well beyond measure. And I just pray that we live accordingly. So I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for what you're doing. And I thank you for what you're going to do. May you receive the glory of every word that comes from my mouth and every deed that comes from my body, Father. You're deserving. Your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are high above. And I pray that we would just continue to acknowledge that, Father. And knowing that you're with us always, even to the end of the earth. Have your way in this place, Father. And always we pray that your word will be rightly divided, Father. That we would not add or take away anything from it. It's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So we, uh, we, we rely on that, Father. Have your way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So um, tonight, if you would, turn your Bibles and your apps to Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8. I just, uh, I just uh, want to, uh, an observation that we made last time I was, I got to, to fellowship with you in God's word, and uh, we were talking about the four beasts in chapter seven, and we were talking about the beasts, and I saw some eyes, and then we jumped into the white throne judgment, and then I saw the continents leave you guys, <laughs> you know, and I I just, Lord, is there any way that, that we can get into this more details? But it's like, Richard, some of these people have to be home before midnight. So, you know, you probably just keep on going through Daniel and, and they'll have to look and understand the, the millennial reign, the white throne judgment and all that on their own. So I just had to say that because I just felt compelled to go back and give you some, some details. But he says, no. So I'm learning to be obedient haven't nailed it yet, but I, I'm, I'm getting there. So I don't know if I'll get it before he comes back, but uh, my, my heart's desire is to be obedient to the Lord. So uh, for this particular Daniel chapter 8, I titled it So Many Visions, So Little Time. And I think about where we are today. And in, today I don't look at it as visions because we have the advantage of going in, looking into Ezekiel and and revelation. And so they were really not visions. This is reality, folks. He's telling you this is what's going to happen. And we don't always understand the symbology of what he's telling us, what he's showing us. But if you allow scripture to interpret scripture, then you'll get a better meaning of it. And so uh, tonight we're just going to proceed on with, uh, with what, he's, uh, what he's given us. Uh, Daniel chapter 8, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, to me, Daniel, after the one that appeared to me the first time. This vision in chapter 8 occurred towards the end of the Babylonian Empire. As Belshazzar was the last king, chapter 7 was given in the first year of Belshazzar. And you'll understand the meaning of that as we go along. Verse 2. I saw in the vision, and it so happened while I was looking that I was in Shushan, the citadel, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in the vision that I was by the river Uliah. Daniel is at Shushan, the capital of Medo-Persia, the second world empire. He found himself, and it doesn't say these words, but near the fortress. Daniel was you know, on the front line, essentially. And the reason for the setting of this vision being at, at, at Susa rather than Babylon is that this vision concerned the second and third world empires. The events foretold in this vision were all fulfilled within 200 years, and liberal critics uh, refused to accept this miracle. 
They refused to accept it because they looked at the events that occurred over a period of 200 years. That's impossible. Same critics that say you can't technically walk on water. You can't technically divide the sea. You can't technically heal people. And if we think that those people were back then, there's some among us even today who just don't want to believe. There's no way that this could have happened. And, and just by the fact that you say there is no way means that you, you, I won't say can't, you won't grasp the gravity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because his word tells us, I believe it, and I pray that you believe it, all things are possible. All things. And so when they say that this could not have happened in that period of time, uh, even today we talk about the archaeological digs. Uh, oh, that's got to be at least 100 million years old. It's like uh, based on what standard? Uh, the world is flat uh, and on and on and on and on. There's just so much nonsense. But they refuse to believe that these things uh, happened within that, that period of time. Uh, verse 3, then I lift my eyes and saw and there standing beside the river was a ram which had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. And the ram which had two horns are the king of Media and Persia. Although Media was first, the Persian monarchs dominated, and they rose higher. So the last time we got to talk, we talked about the empires that had been destroyed, and there was one that was never conquered. That was Rome. Rome was never conquered. And, and as we go through this and you start to look at, you know, what, who the players are and what they're about, then you, get, you begin to realize that, that so many things are happening today and we need to dig into God's word to get an idea of what it is and, and, and who the main players are. And they are in place today. Even now, as we sit here, stand here, those players are, are, are active in today's world. And they're making their marks. And what we need to do is be prayerful. Be very prayerful. Well, what am I supposed to do if these things are happening? You know, I'm just going to stand aside and let the Lord do what he does. We have to be very careful with that. We, we still have an obligation to promote God's word. And as the pastor talked about this morning, prayer. Never, ever, ever, never underestimate the power of prayer. Everything begins Everything happens and everything ends with prayer. And we can always do that. Those, those, even though we don't have to talk about worldwide, let's talk about local in our homes, our sons, our daughters, our, our relatives who don't know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Don't give up on them. Continue to pray. Continue to seek the Lord's face. Continue to, to show them uh, they're going to, they're going to see your, your life before they hear your words. Be conscious of that. If you're being hypocritical, you're saying one thing but doing another, they're going to be more influenced by what they see with their eyes. So let's not underestimate the power of that. Let's just pray. And, and we don't have to pray, as we talked about this morning, for to be seen. But it's important that, that the, the ones that we love, that they see that we're prayer warriors. It's so important. So important. So uh, Daniel was a prayer warrior. He was a spirit filled. And he, uh, he was dedicated to the cause. Verse 4. I saw the ram pushing westward, northward, and southwards. So that no animal could withstand him. Nor was there any that could deliver from his hand. But he did according to his will and became great. According to his will, small h. If we think that we can just press our way through and get results, there's usually uh, that point of demarcation, that line of demarcation where things are going to start to fall apart. I got my way. I pushed my way through this promotion. I pushed my way through this job interview. I pushed my way through uh, getting promoted to a higher position in the church thinking that we've accomplished something. 
And as we go along, we realize that vanity, all vanity. Now I've got this, and this isn't really what I wanted because it wasn't God's will. You weren't prayerful about what you wanted to get from God. You were prayerful about what you wanted, period. And so if we do it God's way, the end result is always good. If we do it our way, not so much. Be prayerful in everything. No matter how small we think it is, uh, it, and relative to verse 4, Persia extended the empire of Babylon beyond its original borders. And that may not seem like a big deal, but Persia was, was they were just, they dominated. They took what they wanted, basically. The Persian empire represented in chapter 7 by the bear with three ribs in his mouth was made up of three other former empires. Persia made no further advance in the far east, but instead pushed in the other three directions, north, west, and south. And the Persians were motivated by the spirit of conquest, the bear. And we talked about this last time. And in Daniel 7, 5 talks about the bear, which represented Medo-Persia being ambidextrous. First, it struck with a strong left hand of Medes, then followed through with the upper deadly right hand of Persia. Persia stayed in the fight until the final destruction of the empire. Three ribs in its mouth speaks of the three kingdoms that formed the empire, Babylon, Lydia, and Egypt. And those were the three ribs that were in the bear's mouth in chapter 7. The bear was told to arise and devour much flesh. As we talked about that, we talked about the other animals having wings, and it talked about flight. And even with the bear, even though it didn't specify that it had wings, it arose and devoured much flesh. And that represents that kingdom. And in this case, the great lumbering bear is a picture of massive, deadly, slowly moving forces. As compared to the panther on the Alexander the Great, that just swift just got it done right away, but the bear was lumbering, which in this case represented Russia. So I took, I take my time, but I'm going to have my way. I'm going to just continue to devour flesh until we got complete control. So the contrast is that quick panther as opposed to that slow-moving bear. The end result was the same. It's just they went about different ways. And the Lord permitted that. There was a reason that he permitted that. Verse 5, and as I was considering, suddenly a male goat came from the west across the surface of the whole earth without touching the ground. And the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. And Daniel was amazed at the power and ability of the ram. A goat came from the west with great movement and a dominant horn. This goat represents Greece. And the horn typifies Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great comes back into play again. And in this case, without touching the ground refers to the four wings of the panther and speaks of the speed with which Alexander moved his army. And that was his reputation. He was swift and deadly. So he got his way that way. And then Russia, on the other hand, was slow and moving. But they accomplished what they wanted to do anyway. Verse 6. And seven, then he came to the ram and had, that had two horns, which I had seen standing beside the river, and ran at him with furious power. Seven, and I saw him confronting the ram. He had moved with rage against him, attacked the ram, and broke his two horns. There was no power in the ram to withstand him, but he cast him down to the ground and trampled him. There was no one that could deliver the ram from his hand. A defenseless nation, a nation that has become so weak, so limp, so destroyed that it could not defend itself. And as we talk about these things, I just challenge you in in not naming names, but just just think about these things. And this, even though this is for this time, these places, look around you and ask yourself, is there any parallelism going on here? Is there any relevancy to what is going on here? Could this be this nation? Could this be this country? Could this be this continent? 
Always ask yourself that because when I get to teach, I'm always looking for an opportunity for life application. And when, when I get to stand here, I try my best not to make it just a his, history lesson. I try my best to give you some sense of, can this be today? Can this apply to today? This was happening in, in this time with Daniel and Alexander and Xerxes and, and the, the, a cast of others. But is it possible that we can take this and fill in the blank and have it apply to what we're going through? That's desire, my desire. So I just pray, look beyond these words, look beyond these verses, these chapters, and ask yourself, because God put this here for a reason. He wants to enlighten us. He wants to inform us. He wants to warn us. Are we listening? Are we paying attention to what he's telling us? I didn't see it coming. Did you go back and read his word? Did you go back and and dig into some of the prior chapters or prior books, prior verses to understand what he's showing us? Well, I didn't think that was relevant. It's all relevant. Every single part of it. And uh, after uh, chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, it says, After Xerxes Xerxes failed to conquer Greece and the loss of a portion of his fleet by storm, Persia never made a serious effort to move into Europe. In the meantime, Philip came to the throne of Macedonia. He caused Greece to fall under the authority, consolidate the Macedonian monarchy, and organize his army with a view to Persian conquests. Wars, wars, and this is beyond rumors of wars. These things are going on constantly. It just seems like we're going from one to the other. Everybody wants to rule the world type of mentality. I think so different now. Is what he's showing us, does that line up with what's going on in our world today? Does everybody still want to rule the world? That's a question for you to answer in your own heart. His son, Alexander the Great, began to invade Asia. His striking power against one great city after another in Asia Minor and Asia, which were under Persian rule. I got to have that country. Never enough. Never. Uh, and that's one of the marvels of history. Alexander's dominance. He completely destroyed the power of Persia. Alexander became the world ruler controlling three continents. Neither Babylon nor Persia had gained such a territory. That was his desire. Now this guy's really, really, you know, ruling the world. Wow, that's man, he's on top of on top of the world, ma. So how's that gonna work out for him? Hmm. Verse 8. Therefore the male goat grew very great, but when he became strong, a large horn was broken. And in place of it, four notable ones came up towards the four winds of heaven. Alexander had pushed the boundaries of his empire into Egypt and India as far as the Indus Valley. He retired to Babylon, where he chose as a capital, which he chose as the capital of his vast empire. It is said that he sat down and wept because there were no more worlds to conquer. I've got the house. I've got the car. I've got the... The, the, the retirement home in Florida. My bank accounts are overflowing. What else is there? Mr. Alexander the Great, how much is enough? One more continent, one more country, that's all, and then I'll be satisfied. Mm, not so, my friends. Not so. It's in the midst of his vast projects, he was seized by a fever after consuming alcohol all night long. Now, uh, he died in Babylon, and there are some that says he died at the age of 32, and some that he says he died at the age of 33. Now, the, what I dug into is said that he died at the age of 32. This may be irrelevant, but I, my point is there were some that said he died at the, 30, at the age of 33, so they compare him to the same age as Jesus when he died. 
So again, the sources were differing on, on one year, one year difference. Not, not that important to us, but just to the fact that, that some change his age to say he and Jesus died at the same age. How important is that? Comparing Jesus to Alexander the Great, I'm thinking, mm, no, we don't, don't need to do that. But anyway, that's, that's what I, I came upon. Uh, and it says that when he was strong, the great horn was broken. Proverbs 16.32 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. And the verse that comes to mind, I don't have it here. Uh, what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? And that's what I think of. And do we have Alexander the Grace among us today? I'm not going to name names, but you guys read the news and hear the news and read all the stuff. So you know who these names are. I don't have to fill in the blanks. They're looking to more, 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 more. It's never enough. If it comes to the point where I got to buy a farmland, thousands of acres of farmland, I'm going to do that. If I got to buy up cities, I'm going to do that because I can. If I've got to go to this country and, and buy islands and, and on and on and on, I can. And that's, they're thinking that this is going to do it for me. And it never does. Alexander's four generals divided the, after Alexander died, there was some conjecture about whether it was from um, the uh, fevers or was it from alcohol, but it, it talks about uh, seized by fever after consuming alcohol all night long, and it did make reference to Alexander the Great was a major league alcoholic. And I, I mentioned to you guys last time that... Uh, you know, something that I had heard when I was a youth is he started off drinking from the bottle, but eventually the bottle ended up drinking from him. We, uh, and that's what happens you know, in our different areas of sin. You know, we think that we, we got control of those things, stuff and things, and then in the end, that stuff and things, thing, have control over us. Are we any different than Alexander the Great? In a sense, his was alcohol. What's yours? What's mine? Is there a vice that could very easily take our lives that we're dealing with right now? What is your area of sin? Well, brother, I don't have one. Look closely. Examine yourself. Ask yourself, what, are, what am I doing? What is involved in my life that could destroy me today? Maybe you're clean, and maybe you're not like me, you know. I don't know. I have areas of sin. There are things that are, and I'm not saying woe is me. I'm just saying that there are some things that I know that are in, in my life that could very easily destroy me. Examine yourself. Ask yourself. Or poor Alexander, he really had an addiction that he couldn't control and that addiction control him. How about you? How about me? Alexander Ford's generals divided the kingdom as follows. Cassander took the European section, which was Macedonia and Greece. Um, Lysikmachus took Asia Minor, the greater part, which is now modern Turkey. Seleucus took all eastern part except Egypt, and Ptolemy took Egypt and North Africa. Scripture shows us that this kingdom fell chronologically between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It was a time when the remnant in Palestine endured the greatest suffering at the hands of Egypt and Syria. The remnant... God had a remnant. God has a remnant. That remnant today is us. Can we sustain the forces that are working against us? If we try to combat them in our flesh, the answer is no. When we combat them in the power of the Lord, the answer is yes. If he's for us, who can be against us? 
the numbers are in our favor. The number one is in our favor if, if and when we rely on him. And that's what I want to encourage us to do. Rely on him for everything. Everything. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that's too small or too large for the God that we serve. Nothing. Some of you sitting in this room today, tonight, have endured harsh tragedies. Lord, I don't know if I'm ever going to get past this. You took someone that I love dearly, someone that was basically uh, the guardian of my life. Why would a loving God do a thing like that? Lord, you, you've given me a great life, but you've also given me rebellious children. Can we just uh, start balance things out here, you know? Lord, you've given me a great husband, a great wife, great family, but it's that prodigal child that's destroying me right now. Lord, help. And he will. He can. He's always working, no matter what you're going through, why you're going through it, when you're going through it. He's always working. But what good can come out of this? Okay. He sees the beginning from the end. So he knows that this child or this son, this daughter, this husband, this wife has to suffer hardship. He knows that. So he said, I'm going to subject them to what it needs to bring them to their knees. And he, and he doesn't say some knees will bow, some, some tongues will confess. He says all knees will bow, all tongues will confess. So he has a plan even through that. We struggle with that because we don't think if we're a child of God that we should endure hardship. I'm a Christian, so why should you know, I have to go through these trials? You're going through these trials because you're a Christian. Not as a result of that, but because. And this is what he, he has to teach us. He has to teach us how to endure trials. Because they're going to be there forever. And these trials are more global for Daniel and, and, and all those concerned. They're more global. But we have global and we have local. We have trials in our homes. We have kids who are just disobedient. We have husbands and wives that are constantly battling each other until they come to church. So that's why they look forward to coming here. Now there's a, there's a peace. But as soon as they walk out of the door... Business as usual. Shouldn't be that way, my friends. If you call yourself a Christian, that requires the same heart. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can't, shouldn't, say you can't because you do. You have a free will to treat someone disrespectfully. Pray that God would come into your heart so you can have a heart like him. You want to know what his heart's like? Dig in. Well, I can't do that. Can't means impossible. It is possible that you can have a heart like him. And that's the desire is for us as a, a, a group of believers here, leadership, pastors, elders, and others who want to encourage you to just dig in, find out what he's like, what he's all about. Can you do that? The answer is yes. So it's not a matter of can or can't. It's a matter of will or won't. So you can do this. You can do this. You can do this with, with all these and, and just open yourself up to what the Lord will have you to be. He has a much better plan for all of us than what we're doing right now. And I'm not belittling anyone here or there just saying that we can be better, and that was mentioned this morning. We can do better. We can be better from a spiritual standpoint. It's just a question of do you want to be? Verse 9, and out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great towards the south, towards the east, and towards the glorious land. The little horn of Daniel in chapter 8 is not the same as the little horn of Daniel in chapter 7. 
Make no mistake about that. But uh, in chapter 7, it's merely a shadow of him in wickedness and profanity toward Israel. Just a shadow. You think this is bad in chapter 7? Just wait. There's more to come. The, uh, the little horn of Daniel chapter 7 arouses out of the fourth kingdom and is to re be revealed in the future. The little horn of chapter, Daniel chapter 8 arises out of the third kingdom. It's historical and came out of Syria. And in this case, uh, that, that dominant ruler was Antichius Epiphanes, who was anti-Semitic to the core, to the very core, and attempted to exterminate the Jews. He plundered Jerusalem, profaned their temple, and slaughtered the Jews as though they were animals. And this is the only place where we've seen that. You know, we can go back to the book of Esther and, and get some idea of, you know, how this thing was taking place. And we can also look around our world today and see some of that anti-Semitism. There's a brother here now who's very familiar with this, not because he did it, but he, he's exposed to it. Anti-Semitism on a regular basis because of the way his life is structured right now. It breaks his heart. Why do you hate them? Because they're Jews. That's what you got. You know. Uh, uh, Antichus Epiphany placed an image of Jupiter in the holy place, which was the first abomination of desolation. The Jews were to sacrifice to heathen deities, eat sacrifice swine, and their books were to be destroyed. He was going to the extent of just destroying everything they believed in, everything that they're affected by, their thoughts, their lives, the very things that they read, he was out to destroy. He fought Egypt in the south, moving eastward and advancing into Palestine, which at that time was called the Glorious Land. He was determined, and, and those men and women are out there today. They have their dislikes, and they want to try and wipe out total cultures, nations, whatever it takes, so that they can feel better about themselves. Verse 10, and it grew up to the hosts of heaven, and it cast down some of the hosts and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. Now, I know this sounds familiar to all of us. Well, most of us, I won't assume anything, and that concerns Lucifer. We're talking about something a little different now. The natural interpretation of this Antichrist uh, challenged God and was permitted to capture Jerusalem and the temple. This warfare included the spiritual realm where angels and demons were involved. Some of the feasts attributed to Antichrist are astounding. If they are true, demonic power was exhibited. Is there such a thing as demonic power? Yeah, there is. There is, my friend. And if, if you think there isn't, you're deceiving yourself. There are such a thing as demonic powers. And if we look at some of the things that are happening around us today, demonic powers are being exhibited. Don't hide your head in the sand. Be prayerful because they're taking place. And what I've said uh, now will be the 128th time. The problem with deception is you don't know you're being deceived. Back to Genesis. You're being deceived. The things that are going on around us today. And uh, there are just some of us who are just saying, well, I don't believe in that. Just because you don't believe in it doesn't make it true. It's not a matter whether you believe or not. If they are true, demonic powers were exhibited. And the answer is yes, they are. Yes, they were. Verse 11. He even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host. And by him, the daily sacrifices were taken away and the place of his sanctuary were cast down. 
Antiochus just was devoted to Jupiter, of whom he may have thought himself an incarnation. He has such a, a high belief in the, the God, small g, Jupiter, until he thought that he was Jupiter reincarnated. He wanted to believe that. The title he chose for himself was Theos Epiphanes, which means God manifest. Ouch. Horrible. Wow, God manifests. He caused both the morning and evening sacrifices to be suspended. He removed the altar of burnt offerings and converted the temple into a sanctuary of Jupiter. That would equate to someone coming in, taking this place, rearranging and worshiping Satan. Oh, no, that would never happen today. Not in the old U.S. of A. Once upon a time, we would have believed that. But today, because we've become the modern-day Laodicean church, perhaps that those things are definitely possible. We have laid down, rolled over, and allow the powers that be to do things that just aren't right. Well, that's unconstitutional, isn't it? Well, just the fact that you're asking the question means that it probably is. Well, what am I supposed to do about that? First of all, pray. First and foremost, pray. Pray, pray, pray. And then secondly, if you have an opportunity to affect it, be vigilant. Go out. Make yourself visible. Let them know that you care. And that's what's happening right now is, is the, the, these talking heads, these powers that be, don't see the church represented. They must not care. Well, brother, I pray I sit in my closet in my secret place. And I pray. That's all well and good. But every once in a while, you just you gotta you gotta be that hands and feet that's visible. Once in a while. And now more than ever, because we're just being lemmings. We've been lemmings, we're just following along, you know, uh, silently. And again, this is a mistake that I made before because someone says, well, what are you saying, brother? Should I go out and bump heads or carry picket signs, make some noise? No, I'm saying for only thing I said was pray. You do what the Lord's asking you to do. You don't have to follow anyone else's lead. Lord, what would you have me to do in this situation? It's you, it's him, it's you following the path that he set before you. What someone else is doing is irrelevant. Well, everybody else is doing it. No, no, that's high school. And uh, when, when these things, uh, when he made himself uh, a sanctuary of Jupiter, uh, this was, this gone a little too far, a lot too far. Verse 12, because of transgression, an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices, and he cast truth down to the ground. He did all this and prospered. Cast truth down to the ground. Well, one question that comes to mind, my friend, is what is truth? What is truth? Mr. Pilot, what is truth? Again, what's the Lord put on your heart? You know, are you following what social media dictates? Are you following what it says in Acts, Leviticus, Revelation? What are you following? 
calf crucified down to the ground. He did all this and prospered. Wait a minute. I thought he was an evil, flesh-devouring beast. So how could he prosper? Does it say anywhere in his word that the, the ones who didn't follow him would not prosper? He reigns on the just and unjust. He said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. But did he say that no weapon would be formed against you? Never said that. It won't prosper, but there will be weapons formed against us. That's how we need to live, knowing that. It was by God's will that the little horn practiced and prospered by God's will. That the little horn practiced and prospered. The reason God permitted it was by reason of transgression. What does that mean? Because of the national sin of Israel. That's why he allowed it. The remnant that returned to the land did not return to God. And if you want to understand what that was about, read Malachi. Read the book of Malachi. They returned, but they didn't return. They returned to the land, but they didn't return to God. That's key. Cast down the truth is a reference to the effort of Antiochus to destroy all copies of the Old Testament. I don't want them to know what the Old Testament says, so I'm going to destroy all the copies of it. And back in school, back in the early 1920s, there was uh, uh, some books that we were required to read. And a lot of you are not old enough to remember, but the book was called Fahrenheit 451. And uh, that's where my mind went as I was reading this, because someone, the powers that be, had said, we don't want them to know this, so we're going to burn those books. Now, that was back when I was young. What we talking? Ooh. A lot of years. But today, right now, there are school systems that are burning books. Right now. Oh, no, I don't believe that, Brother Richard. Yeah, I'm telling you. We would not have this child reading this book. Mary had a little lamb. Get the matches out. Now, we're just going to teach them sex education. Well, what do we start in ninth grade? No, we're going to go to kindergarten, K through 12. This is what we're going to have them read. No, brother, come on. What, are you kidding us? Not kidding you. Some of you know it. Where's the line? Where is that line? Where does it end? Where does it stop? Only the beginning. And if they know that we're just going to lay down and accept they... They are going to keep on pushing it, pushing the limit. They're going to keep pushing. Take it to the limit one more time. Then verse 13, then I heard a holy one speaking and another holy one said to that certain one who was speaking, how long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot. That's some serious stuff going on here, friends. In this context, Holy One refers to one of God's created intelligence other than man. And Daniel overhears a conversation between two of these heavenly creatures who evidently are distressed that so much latitude is being granted to this little horn. This profaning of the temple is called here a transgression of desolation. So much attention is being given to these little horns today. Did you hear what he did? Did you hear what she said? And now we're almost, in a sense, idolizing these evildoers. Those are the people that are on our lips. Those are the people that are coming to our ear gates and eye gates. Should not be, my friends. Should not be. 
This refraining of the temple call here a transgression of desolation. Verse 14, and he said to me, for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. That's a long time. That's a long time to, dig, to live and uh, be worshiping in a dirty sanctuary, a sanctuary that's not un- that, that is unclean. 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. The priest, Judas Maccabeus, drove out the Syrian army in 165 B.C., at which time the temple was cleansed and rededicated after its pollution. And this cleaning is celebrated in the Feast of Lights. The significance there is the fact that we have to take a stand. Are our temples being desecrated? Are our temples being uh, a sanctuary for the ungodly? If we're not careful, that can be the case. John 10.22 says, Now it was a feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. What's the significance? Uh, the, The fact that we can't make excuses for allowing these things to happen. We can't make excuses no matter what the season, no matter what the time. We can't make excuses for allowing these things to happen. Well, I'm so busy. I've got so many things going on in my life that I don't have time for that. God has given everybody in this room and in pixel land 24 hours a day. So what it boils down to is what's your priority? What is your priority? You know, spending time with the Lord, praying, or trying to gain a couple more shekels, or whatever you're doing with your time. The time is there. It's just a matter of what you do with it. Verse 15, then it happened when I, Daniel, had seen the vision and was seeking the meaning that suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. 16, and I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Uliah who called and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. And God will do that. God will certainly do that if you are having trouble understanding The scripture, if you're having trouble understanding his word, pray about it and say, brother, I see a a pattern here. (laughs) Everything is about prayer. Yes, that's the idea. Everything is about prayer. Well, can't you overdo it? No, you cannot. You can't over pray. Can't be done. And if you think it can be, just try it and see, how, see the result of it. You'll be surprised. Wow, I never prayed so much in my life. Yes, praise the Lord. That's the idea. That's what we want to work towards. That's what we want to, we want to get to the point where that's our heart's desire. No matter how small, how little. And so Gabriel, uh, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision and Daniel was puzzled by the vision and desired to learn the meaning of it. There appeared to him a heavenly angel in appearance as a man by the name of Gabriel. And this is our first introduction to Gabriel. And it, but it won't be the last. So Gabriel's here to help Daniel. And, and what the Lord has done in the past, he's given Daniel directly the interpretation of these dreams. But now he's going about it in a different way. There's always a reason for it. Why didn't he just give Daniel this directly as he's done in the past? Why does he have Gabriel to come up and interpret the vision? I don't know. So I just keep reading. Gabriel, in the explanation of verses 17 to 25, makes it clear that Antichicus is a miniature picture of the coming Antichrist. A miniature picture of the coming Antichrist. The time of the end locates the complete fulfillment in the antitype, Antichrist, the man of sin, and the little horn of chapter 7. The other little horn will come at the end of the time of the Gentiles. And read this and understand what he's referring to. Unfortunately, that's one of the things that I see, as I mentioned, 
uh, earlier about being able to just go in and just give. I want to give you a little bit more information, but we have to be good stewards of our time. Verse 18, now as he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground, but he touched me and stood me upright. Please note the physical effect of this vision upon Daniel. Face to the ground. And Gabriel touched him and stood him upright. 19, and he said, look, I am making known to you what what shall happen in the latter time of the uh, indignation, for at the appointed time the end shall be. At the appointed time the end shall be. That hasn't changed. He's coming back. When, Richard? Soon and very soon. That's when. And Gabriel moves from the local fulfillment in Antiochus to the end of the time of the Gentiles. 20, the ram which you saw having the two horns, they are the kings of Media and Persia. The ram is identified for us as the kings of Media and Persia. 21, and the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn that is between his, his eyes is the first king. This goat is labeled the king of Greece, and the great horn is the first king. 22, as for the broken horn and the four that stood up in this place, four kingdoms shall arise in that nation, but not with its power. And the four kings are identified as we mentioned in verse 8. 23, and in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise, having fierce features, who understand sinister schemes, vicious, deadly, manipulatively, uh, and you name it. You name the descriptor, and it is going to apply to this, this, this person. Uh, this verse and the facts of history explain that this man was demon-possessed. He is also a picture of the coming Antichrist. Do you believe that? Do you believe it for all you hear, uh, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, the end result's the same. If you choose to believe any of those, the outcome's still the same. He's coming back. In this, in this uh, case, the holy people refer to Israel. The thought of these people by Epiphanes seems unbelievable. He is a shadow of the one who is coming. That Antichrist, you've all heard it before, ruthless. Absolutely ruthless. And Matthew 24, 21 says, For then there will be great tribulation such as not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were short, no flesh will be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. If I don't come back, nobody's going to survive. It's true. For those who are in touch with what's going on around us, look at the lawlessness already. Total chaos. Men lovers of themselves. No regard for human life, including their own. That's where we're headed. That's where we are. It's not coming. It's here. Right in front of us. Verse 25. Uh, let, me, let me go back. At one more verse. Revelation 13, 7 said, It was granted to him to make war with, us, with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. We, we struggle with that. Authority was given to him? An evil person? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, that works against us, in a sense, is free will. You have a choice. You have a choice how you're going to live. Choose this day who you will serve. As for as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that carries a lot of weight because sometimes we just want to lay back and think, revenge is mine, said the Lord, so that I know the Lord is going to take care of it. He's got you here for a reason. He's got me here for a reason. Do we just stand idly by 
why these things happen? The answer is no. What do we do? I'm going to go back to the pattern. Pray. Pray. Seek his face. Verse 25. Through his cunning he shall cause the seed to prosper under his rule. And he shall exalt himself in his heart. We've heard this before. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince or princess. But he shall be broken without human hands or human means. And uh, this, this, this faint type of antichrist was, had the, the fiercest characteristics that we could ever imagine. Well, how could anyone be so sinister? Historically speaking, we've seen it. Present day, we see it. It's just a question, are you paying attention to what's going on around us? This enemy uh, was destroyed and came to his end. So will the Antichrist be destroyed. No good deed goes unpunished. No bad deed goes unpunished, even more so. Vengeance is mine, said the Lord. Verse 26, and the vision of the evenings and mornings which was told is true. Therefore, seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. The future is coming. It's coming. It's coming quickly. It's coming harshly. Is coming with great deceit. Daniel was told that the vision would be for the distant future. Distant future is not so distant. And I don't want to sound like we're defeated. I don't want to sound like, you know, things are hopeless. On the contrary, there's always hope in God. Distant future may not be as far away as we think. He's coming. 27, and I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days after what I rose and went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. The physical and psychological effects of this vision upon Daniel was devastating. God has begun to mesh the times of the Gentiles into the history of the nation of Israel. He has begun to mesh the times that we're reading about now in Daniel with present day. Do you see it? Can you see it? We have to see it with our spiritual eyes because we look at that and think that, brother, there's nothing I can do about it. We have to look at that and think that I need to take a stand. And the greatest stand that I know and I want to encourage you is Hand-to-hand combat. We need to stand up. We need to be prayerful in everything. We need to encourage our neighbors, our friends, our children, everybody, that there's something better. Let them know that you've spent time with the Lord and uh, let them know that you've heard good things. Let them know that regardless of their situation, the Lord has a remedy. He has a fix. He has a solution for it. There's always hope in God. The word hopeless is not part of his vocabulary. That's what he wants us to understand. Father, we thank you for how you blessed us so much. We thank you for your Boundless blessings. We thank you for your endless mercy. We thank you for your your never-ending grace. Your ceaseless desire to love us, Father. So please, Lord, I just pray that you would just encourage my sisters and brothers in the way that they need, Father. And I pray that if there's any here tonight who do not know you as their Lord and Savior, that tonight will be the night of salvation. So I do thank you, Father, that uh, you've given us this opportunity to share your word. And I pray, Father, that it was rightly divided. And if there's anything that was said, even one word that discouraged my sister or my brother tonight,
I pray that you would strike it from my memories even now. So we give you praise and honor for all that you are in our lives. And we just pray that our hearts will be enlarged so we can receive more of you. Again, may you receive the blessings of all that um, we do and say throughout this day and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen.